Hey everybody, it's Bill Courtney with an Army of Normal Folks, and we continue now with part two of our conversation with Trina Frierson, right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're gonna get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you, here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're in group one day and uh, the intern got sick or something and we need to continue on with group. And they were just in there piddling and I was like, listen, man, we got to do the group. And so I just picked up group and started like, let's let's just talk about relapse. Let's just talk about this. And so that led into something else. Uh I started this three R's relapse prevention program. And so the council liked it. And she said, hey, we're going to add that to the curriculum. And so I started doing that. Then she started bringing in the judges and uh, DAs and stuff into the jail to see our program. Because we we had it was it was the inmates. Right. But we were leading our own groups now. And so then they got a hold of it. And then they said, hey. We got this thing we're trying to do. We want to see if you'll come and speak uh, to a group of uh, kids. And I was like, what is it? It was like, what's the Don't Follow Me program? I was like, hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll go talk to them. So I'm thinking in my mind that I'm going to get out. And like I get to, you know, I know they're going to be around me, but like I ain't got to be handcuffed. Man, they handcuffed me, took me to the Boys and Girls Club, and I had to speak to those people in handcuffs. Sounds kind of like a scared straight thing. They need to see you locked up to understand what that really looks like. Yeah, yeah. So I I got the picture at home. Uh, 
So are you like in an orange jumpsuit with handcuffs on? Great, great, great uh, jumpsuit, uh, handcuffs, you know, the old brown jacket that you used to hunt in or go out in the cold in. You know, they got them as prison jackets yeah. now. Yeah, the whole nine yards. Yeah, it's crazy. And you're addressing kids. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah. Talk, talking to them and, and really speaking to them about, you know, how I got to where I am today. Uh how I've neglected my kids and I don't get to send my kids to the boys and girls right now. Somebody else having to do that for me because of my abandoned neglect due to my addiction. So being able to talk about that process of coming up and, uh, you know, uh, really I got to express some of the stuff I recall is like missing the opportunities to continue the relationship with my mother to be able to tell her everything, you know. Uh, there comes a point when you start sneaking and hiding and lying, you break that communication, becomes a communication barrier, you know, uh, with your mom or with that loved one that you entrusted so much with. And so got to talk a lot about that, you know. Um, I can love you unconditionally and still not believe a word that comes out your mouth. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And so one of the things I know for me, though, is that my mom, listen, I knew when she stopped believing what was coming out of my mouth. I you see it in her eyes, probably. Yes. Her body language. Yes. Yes. It'd Who be like, better knows you than your own mama, right? <laughs> oh, man, I knew when it, listen, and, but I tell you what, um, when I went to jail, man, that first time, I just felt like I lost my mama. She wasn't even dead, but I just felt like I lost her, right? So you eventually get out after this chances program. Uh, yeah. And you rehab now, right? Yeah, yeah. How'd yeah. that work out? Oh, man, let me tell you. I get out, you know, and they say, just follow the tools, do what you need to do. I did. I went looking for a job, uh, didn't use. I went to this, kept looking for this job. Don't call us, we'll call you, right? Because, you know, I got felons. And so this last time, this white guy said to me, he said, listen, I don't know who's going to hire you with all them felons. I'm just going to be honest with you. I wouldn't. That shattered me. I got all, got back on the bus, and all that was playing through my mind is, I ain't got my kids back or nothing, right? In fact, I done lost all parental rights. So really, I ain't getting them back because I lost all parental custody. And so I'm in here, and I get in this bus. And after I get off the bus, there's my homeboy standing mm -hmm. on the corner. He said, what's up, Trina? It's like, nothing, man. Just got to looking for a job. But shoot, ain't nobody finna hire me. The man just said it. He's like, I don't know who's going to hire you with all them fellas. I said, so I think I got to get back out here and do what I do. He said, here. I said, man, I ain't got no money. So you ain't got to have no money. I got you. Just get on your feet. So he and me an ounce of cocaine. And uh, I went to work. I didn't last two months out there on the streets. All right, let's talk about this. The, the recidivism rate in the United States is 85%, 87%, I think, mm -hmm. somewhere in that world, mm -hmm. of, at least in the male population, of people that come out of jail, um, 85, 87% of them return to jail. Mm -hmm. um, and you had the Chances program. You were teaching the Chances mm -hmm. program. You were speaking to kids at the Boys and Girls Club. The The prison system would not have put you in front of the boys and girls if they didn't believe the words coming out of your mouth and, and see legitimate, real work that you were doing on yourself in prison to try to, quote, rehabilitate. Yes. But then the real world hits. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're clean for two months. You're trying. Mm -hmm. But you leave prison with this feeling of I've paid my dues, I've done the right things, let me get out of here and try to do it right. Mm -hmm. 
But then everywhere you step, the door is slamming in your face. Right. Because a felon can't rent an apartment. <laughs> Ain't no landlord giving an apartment to a felon. Nope. A felon has a hard time getting any kind of job. Mm-hmm. They're treated like second-class citizens. You still got all this in your background, so you don't even have rights to your children, which makes you feel like hell, probably. Oh, definitely. And so when people say, well, why do people go right back to the life? It's not like most of them get out that day on Tuesday and on Wednesday, they're back in the life. <laughs> it's the world hits them right in the mouth. Yeah. And there's and they lose hope. Exactly. And now you're starving. You got nowhere to live. You've got nowhere to do it. What else are you going to do? And so your homeboy handles you an ounce of Coke and you back in the hustle. Back just in the hustle. like that. Just like it. And I get caught just like it. And I get go back to jail just like that. And with our criminal justice system, hmm. you keep piling those on. Eventually, you're going to get some real time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this last charge, man, listen, they offered me 30 years. I, I've been blessed. I'm not confused. I have been blessed. You also do not play the victim card, which I have an enormous amount of respect for. You take ownership in everything you've done. Oh yeah, man. It's 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 it's, it's not pretty. Uh but the 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 fact remains that our prison system prison system population in the last 30 years mm-hmm. has grown 1800% in the last 30 years. Yes. And most can point to crack, urban areas, uh, the disintegration of the community. And um, once again, I genuinely believe a well-intentioned justice system originally trying to get on top of this epidemic and stiffening prison sentences, thinking that that was going to be a deterrent. And what it ends up being is just a way to lock up more poor folks that are on drugs. Yeah, yeah. And take away all hope. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I want to give a shout out to, you know, I thank God where CCA and... What is that? It's, uh, it was, it's now called Core Civic, Right. And so it's over a lot of the detention centers. Uh, it's part the of country. our justice system. Yes, yes. I want to thank them for putting in the resource uh, for rehabilitation for residential treatment, right? Am I sitting here looking at an African American woman from the inner city thanking God for parts of our justice system? Because that's yes. an odd thing. Oh, very. Yeah, listen, you are. You are. Why don't you talk think, about that a little? Because that's wanna, interesting. That kind of blows me away a little. I want to thank God for the officer who arrested me. And I thank him because taking me to jail protected my life. It actually saved my life, right? I think me being arrested put me into a protective system so that I couldn't go out there and keep harming myself, right? Neglecting my kids. But the justice system had a program (laughs) called Chances that turned my vision and my views of life around. So even though it didn't take the first time, you at least got a glimpse. Oh my God. The first time worked, right? It was society... Now, that's interesting. You're saying the justice system worked. It was society afterwards that didn't have a place for you. That's right. That's right. We'll be right back. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Chris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother or, in her case, a good lovey. 
you know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you catch your what you call your last charge, mm-hmm. which you're looking 30 years. How old were you? What was I? 30, right at 29, 30, I think. Well, I mean, you're looking 30 years. That's 60. You're looking <clears throat> basically 30 years as close to a life sentence. At that oh, yeah. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. What you are know, you charged with? Um, There's about, I can't remember how many weapons, but I fell asleep in a room like in a bedroom, and there was a couch laying over there. That's probably 11, 12 weapons over there that, you know, somebody had robbed a pawn shop or something, and and so they still had tags and stuff on them. I purchased them, um, and they were in my room, right? You bought them? Yeah. Well, you going to resell them? Oh, yeah, yeah. I and got so it. one of the things, but I had a couple of them I was going to keep myself, but what happened was one of the guns had a body on it. Had a body. It had been used in a murder. Yes, it had been used in a murder. And so... They, oh, hold it. So what are they? Forensics proves that? Is that... I guess, yeah. I got it. All right. So, so one of the guns that was stolen from the pawn shop that you bought stolen goods from was used in the murder of another human being, and now you own the gun. Yeah. And so they want to put the charge on me. You know, but my mom uh, didn't graduate high school. She uh, only had an eighth grade level, right? And so one of the things she told me in life is that if you don't ever understand a document, you always read the italic print <laughs> or the stuff in the box, right? Lord have mercy. I wish your mom would have told me that before I went into business. I could have saved a lot of damn problems in the past. But anyway, she's right. <laughs> Look at the fine so, print, the italics, and the, yes. and the boxes. Attorneys yes. are good at putting that stuff on paper. And so, man, when I went... <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's also very true. Yes. From an so, eighth grade education. Yes. Whip smart. And so when I when I go to look at these charges, man, it look like murder. What? And uh, I was like, no. And I had a public defender. I was like, listen, I'm not taking that. 
And so you go to jail and you come back and go to jail and come back and they try to make all these plea deals. And then when I come back, they knock it down to 15. I was like, listen, I'm going to take the drug charges. I promise I'm going to take all of that. But I'm not going to take that murder charge. I did not kill anybody. And I don't want to be looking into somebody's family's eyes thinking that I murdered their family member when I know I didn't. So you can give me all the drug charges, but you got to take the murder off. And so, you know, I'm back and forth to court. It's the last time he said, hey, uh, look, they got you a good deal. They got it down to eight years at 30%. I said, not with that murder charge. And he goes to look at the paper and he's like, hold on, let me go check something. So he goes back, come back. He said, hey, sign this. And I was like, no, man. So I go to look at it. He said, it's not on there. He said, it's gone. I was like, See, I looked on that check. Well, mama told me to check. And it wasn't there. I said, run it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I ended up with an 8 at 30, right? I don't know what that is. Eight years at 30%. Two and a half years. Yeah. And so because I had been there um, a year already waiting, right? A year and a half. Man. He said, uh, I just knew they were going to let me out. He said, uh, I order you back to, now I order you the chances treatment program. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, a year. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I already been here a year and a half. Wait a minute. He said, you have? I said, yes. I said, I taught chances. I said, I was an intern. I said, you can call him and ask him. He looked at me and said, you taught chances? I said, yeah, I created the relapse prevention program. He said, you create. I said, you can ask some of your colleagues, the judges. I said, I promise you. He said, so you taught chances. He said, well, boom, I order you the chances, relapse prevention, and I don't want you to teach the class. I want you to do the class. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the like, judge is, but I love this person. Man, I came out of kicking and screaming and got back, and the counselor said, Mad, just, too, weren't yes. you? Yes. I was in that salad port, and the uh, salad port is like the little room before you go into the population room. So you got to get security, let you in this door, you sit in the hallway, and then they let you in another door. And so she said, uh, <clears throat> I get back and she said, now, you come here with that attitude. Listen, just because the judge ordered you to be in the program, I ain't got to keep you in the program. Now, you know what to do. Come on, let's do this time. And we're going to do it in treatment. And we're going to figure out what happened and see how we can avoid that on the next trip. And so, you know, I thank God for this counselor, though, because she went an extra step. You know, she went, they called her about the state coming and picking up my kids. And, uh, man, she did something that could have jeopardized her life, man. Um, she went and got my kids. And... uh try to put them with other family members so that the state couldn't get them, right? Now, they eventually went in, uh, but she took my son uh, to a place called a Dullum House in Alabama. Uh, it's for kids of incarcerated moms, right? And so the hope was is that I'd be able to get um, him back without going through um, legal paperwork and all that, but eventually I had to go through it anyway, you know, so. So while all this is going on, I got, I mean, I, now this is all supposition. Alex did not prepare me for any of this, so, but as I'm hearing your story, the men you had these children with were probably the, in the same life that you were in. Oh, definitely. So, even though you don't have your children, if an, I guess what I'm asking is, what is the environment your kids are growing up in while you're out here living this life? They got to be right up against it too, seeing it, <coughs> living it just with other people, right? At some point, yes. And I thank God for their aunt. I thank God for the counselor. So you had a few people that were watching after them that weren't in the life. Yes. Yes, their aunt, the the the, the two girls' uh, aunt, 
which was the father's sister, uh, got the two girls. But the other one, you know, my oldest daughter ended up in Tallahoma in the girls' home, right? Uh, because she was acting out, right? She's missing her mom, right? She's running around the streets trying to figure out where her mom's at. Uh, she's fighting her way through school because people calling her mom a crackhead. Like, like she's she's going through. Yeah, it's got. It's just gotta hurt you. Oh, man, it rips me apart. Like, like, and and I think, uh, how do you get better? Even in chances and everything else, when you've got this deep regret and shame and sorrow that you really, no matter how well you do in prison, you can't fix. That's got to be just tearing you up. That's got to be tearing women up in jail right now, all day, every day. Oh, oh yes. But, but you got to know that I think um, help is available. Um, and I think, uh, again, I go back to therapy. Therapy is my ride or die partner. Therapy is... Uh, I was able to get therapy. I was able to bring the kids into therapy. Uh, I was able to settle down and like just really at one point I had to sit on my hands to hear my daughter's truths. And about you. About me and how it made her feel. And so the therapist said, if you're ever going to get better, Trina, she needs to share her truths and she needs you to hear and value her truths. She, her pain needs to be validated. Yes. Yes. God, that's got to be hard. Oh, it, it 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 was. I'm telling you. And so you think about it. Not 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 one child. I got three to do this with. And it ain't a group session. Oh no! So you got to go. <laughs> we one on ones. <laughs> it's in one ride of the roller coaster. That's no, three different. But you know what it what it. What it taught me is after uh, God blessed me to be able to rekindle those relationships, you know, uh, I promised to them that nobody ever had to tell them my story, that I would always be an open book for them. You know, I can remember one time my son came home and said, uh, Mama, uh, Mr. Such-and-Such said, you did such-and-such at such-and-such. Mom, did you do that? I said, listen, now you know I smoked some of that stuff back then, and my mind wasn't quite right. I don't remember. (laughs) So (laughs) let's just say I did. (laughs) I said, we're going to say I did it because I don't remember. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're gonna get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I call my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. 
the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about Indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so you you get you get back into chances, you go through chances, and you get out, and now <laughs> you really are not going to get back into life, and it begins. I mean, I'm not. You're going to have to tell me, but I'll set it up for you, and then I'm going to let you roll with it. It it begins with you spent your whole life hustling. So now let's hustle something other than drugs. And so you're going to have to piece this together for us. But I know you're cleaning houses, then you're buying houses. Then people are in jail or getting out and reaching out to you because they are experiencing your first time out of jail where ain't nobody going to hire them and they got nowhere to go. And you start coming up with a a way to go and through house cleaning, house and then Somehow this becomes mending hearts, and I don't know. <laughs> Give me the ten minute story right. on you finally out, and you finally find a place to do it right. But you're using the same hustle right. as a drug dealer, but you're just using it positive. Oh my god! Hey, uh, 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 a person told me, a counselor told me, you know, um, right now you're working off of insufficient funds. But if you take the same energy that you had when you were using and transfer it over into a positive account, you don't ever have to use again. You don't never have to look back. And so uh, when I got out this time, the difference for me this time was is that I didn't get out with my white netted bag and walk to the bus stop and somebody picked me up. Or I call John Blow and say, hey, come and get me. This time, somebody picked me up at Roll Up One. And it was a lady in a van, and she took me to a transitional home where there were other women just like me. Those women greeted me, embraced me. Listen, hey, you got to go find a job doing this shift. Here's my bus pass. I don't have to work today. The other one said, I'm off on Fridays. I can take you to look for a job. We have to be at meetings at this time. And they... Man, they loved on me, right? And so I couldn't get food stamps because I got these 17 felonies. They showed me which food banks to go to. If you go to this one on Wednesday, you get a hot meal too. Hold it. You can't get food stamps if you've had felonies. Oh, no. Back in the day, you couldn't. And I was grateful to be able to uh, work throughout uh, advocating some of that early on in my recovery. Uh, But now if you're in a transitional program, yeah, you can. That makes more sense. But go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. And so I get to this place where now uh, I'm in this program. I'm in a halfway house, right? And so I got people calling from jail saying, Trina, are you really clean? Like, if you can do it, I know I can do it, right? I love that. And then I got the counselors calling and said, hey, we got a program here. Want to know where you come back and speak. Tell them how your life is going. And so I'm doing that. And then... Now I'm getting calls. I've got people writing me. Trina, when I get out, will you show me how to do this, this, and this? And I literally remember taking an eight and a half sheet of paper, ripping it in half. Right now, when you get out, go to Project Return, 
to get your ID, go to this church right here. They got coats and shoes and some clothes. Go here to get your food. You can get a free bus pass for a week right here. And so just writing it down, mailing it back into them. If they call on the phone, telling them. And then an idea came to mind. Trina, you need to start a resource center. Because women getting out of jail need a resource. And my idea was is that you're going to, a woman going to come into this building. She's going to get, um, she's going to take a P test. She's going to take a, a assessment. We're going to have a housing, clothes, food, bus pass. You got it right here. You might even get to see your probation officer. Right? Instead of having to go all over the city, have it in one spot. Yes. And so I was writing this up, didn't know what I was doing, because I was a little pick on the computer. Ain't got no computer experience. I'm pick, you know. I just learned how to turn the computer on, you know. <laughs> and so one of the things happened is, I'm, I'm I'm over here and I'm thinking about this and I'm writing it on paper and I show a friend of mine, Mike B. And I said, Mike, look, I'm thinking about starting this program. It's a resource center for women. And he read it. He said, man, you need to go back and read this. All you're missing is a house. I said, no, I'm not finished with it. I got some more stuff to do, but I want women to be able to come and stop right here and get what they need before they go on their journey so that they can have a hand up. And he said, Trina, go back and read it. The only thing you're missing is a house. Well, now I'm in the process. I got a house. Because, listen, God done gave me all my children back without my permission, right? (laughs) 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 Prayers answered, but they're on his terms. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I ain't signed no paper to say I'm advocating to get my children back. Like, really, I'm afraid. Because I've neglected and abandoned them, right? I don't know if I'm worthy of being a mother. But I got the child over here. They subpoenaed me to court. And I go over here. And before you know it, I ordered this child back to her mother. Boom, boom, boom. So now I got all these children back, got a house. But now we don't have a house. Huh? What are you doing for a living to make money? I'm working at a print shop. <laughs> I'm working uh, uh, cleaning, right? So I got the print shop and the cleaning. But prior to that, when I was at the halfway house, I lied to get a job and told them I had a reading problem. And I was selling this chemical that you, you know how people call you and say, hey, we got this chemical, ink, blood, oil, off concrete, yeah. you know, all that stuff, the disabled people, yeah. right? Well, I lied and told them I had a problem and they let me work, right? Well, I happened to steal some in a Coke bottle one day because somebody gave me some, donated me some good Nike shoes. When I say good, you couldn't even tell they were used. They looked new. And I took pride in those shoes. In fact, I got some oil on, so I'm going to take me a little of this chemical and get it off. Well, I did that, and I got home, and the chemical didn't work. And so, <laughs> so now you know you're selling a fraudulent product. I'm not only am I selling a fraudulent product, you lied to get the job. You lied to get the job, Trina. You're still conning, baffling, cheating. What are you gonna do different? I quit the job the next day, and now I'm over here in the factory. I'm on a um, what do they call it? temp service. So I got this job going on, and I stay with the job long enough to become permanent. Now I'm starting the cleaning service because now I got these children. <laughs> And I need, it ain't, I ain't just taking care of me no more. I got these children. So are you saying you're a mom without dads around with children working two jobs? Oh, yes. I got that from my mama. I was about to say, isn't that interesting? Got it from my mama. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so my maid at that time, you know, she was helpful. But listen, we're we're working two jobs to both of us. We got a brand new house we done bought back in 98. That house cost us $98,000, right? But it's a three-bedroom, two-bath, and we think we hot cotton, baby. We living good now. <laughs> but we got to work because we got three kids. And so in doing all that, we realized we stayed there to right at 2002. And I decided, to say, hey, we got to move out of here. We need a bigger space. So as I get ready to move out of there, my mate at that time said, hey, don't sell this house. This is what you need to use the ministry for the women. We need to make it so that when they come through these doors that they don't have to worry about paying rent. 
and they can get on their feet. And I was like, I looked at it kind of crazy. I'm just being realistic, right? I was like, man, I just started making legal money. Now you want me to give it away? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just started getting my coins again, and now you want me to give it away, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, she struck me. Everybody knows how I appreciate and love God, right? And, uh, man, she know how to whoop me with God. She said, if you take care of God's people, he'll take care of you. I said, I'm going to try it, but if it don't work, I'm going to blame you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> she said, I'll take that blame. And uh, so we did. But before we moved out, there was a woman came through from Michigan. She slept on our couch while me and the kids are still there. And eventually we moved out. She became a house mom. In the first three months, we had opened three houses. The gates just flooded the How prison. How did you get the houses? Good question. So my first house, I, I actually bought that house and it had equity in it. And so I took the equity out and put down on another house. And then the so other you're house, financing these houses? Yeah. The, the, the first one, though, right? Yeah. But then... Next one, I go to rent. I find this guy who know um, who knows me. He's in the program. He said, my auntie got some house. She might rent you. I said, okay, I'll take them. I'm just taking what I can, right? And so we're on this part of town, this part of town. It's just the two of us. We got a woman calling. Come picking, we picking a woman up from prison on my lunch break. I'm riding down the street going over the rules of the house with her. My mate worked downtown. She's meeting us at the house. She finishing the paperwork. We meeting them back over there at four o'clock after we pick kids up. Kids is either in the car doing work or they sitting on the porch doing all work. Then we go do a cleaning job, right? We already got meals prepared for the kids. And so then we go back and do a curfew check and a meeting at seven. And <laughs> you got all the resources in this one place, so these folks are cared for, getting what they need, and a roof, and you're working to provide it. Yes. Dragging your kids around on your lunch break, off work. In the middle of the night when we got a problem, yeah. And one of the things happened that we did this for three years, and uh, a guy, different guy named Mike, showed me a piece of property over in West Nashville. And you come up a street, it's four blocks. And you come up the street, and there are people sitting out on each side of the sidewalk, and they're in lawn chairs, and they're chilling, man. It's a good hot summer day. You know how we do backyard barbecues, you know? And so they're sitting out there, but you pull up and hand them your money, and they hand you the drugs. This is four blocks of traffic, right? People just sitting out on the edge of the curb. He takes me up his road, and then he pulls over in this pothole of a driveway, there's six-unit apartment complex here. He said, I want to show you something, man. It'd be good for these women. So when he pull over in this pothole of a driveway, I think he's just stopping to, you know, hand somebody something, you know, take care of a client or something. And he looks back and said, come on. I said, what? He said, come on. This is it. I said, no, nah, I'll wait in the car. He said, no, this is it. Come on. I said, dude, you crazy. I'm trying to get women off drugs. Not on drugs. <laughs> Look is... around. We got four blocks of drug activity. He said, man, and he probably said one of the most important things to me that has impacted my life today. And he said, listen, you got to look past the rubbish. Don't look at what it is now. Look at what it can, it can be. be. And so I was like, no, nah, man, I went when I'm telling you there's six doors. Number two is the only one that had electricity and water. And it had extension cords and hose pipes coming out of it to filter the other units. Oh my gosh. And so it's a slum. The smell and the and one or two of them ain't got no doors. And when I said, Mike, what am I gonna do with this? And so I walked and I'm telling you, man. I did it over about two or three days, go home praying. I don't know if you've ever experienced being woke up by the spirit, man. It was like something just touched me, woke me up, sent me back over there. And I remember coming down the walkway, it's a step, you step down. And it was like the light came on. It's like, it's one thing that you want to reclaim and restore the women you serve 
But what about the communities that you've destroyed? Why not put these women back over here and help rebuild this community? Why not allow elders to come back out and sit on their porch and kids to ride their bikes up and down the street? Why can't parents come and walk their kids to the bus stop without having weapons to protect them and their kids at a bus stop? And I said, ooh, I told my mate about it. She said, ooh, now was that God or was that you? I said, I don't know who it was, but it was clear. <laughs> it was just clear, right? <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, I heard it. It was clear that we need to restore the community. And um, as a result, man, uh, I didn't have no money. And I told this guy who owned that building, I said, I'll take it over. And I won't call you unless I have, if the roof falls in, the floor falls in, if the HVAC goes out, I said something to that capacity. I do all the maintenance myself. He said, what about, what's the deposit? I said, my sweat and equity, I got to put this place back together. He said, how much you going to pay in rent? I said, well, he wanted like 3000 or something. I can't remember, but he said, I said, for the first four months, January, February, March, April, I'm not paying you anything. <laughs> and on the fifth month, for four months, I'm going to give you $1,000. And then the next quarter for the four months, I'm going to give you $1,500. And then the next quarter, I'm going to get you up to $2,000. And we're going to cap it. And then we're going to lock it in. And it's going to be a um, first right of refusal. So if you decide to sell, I have first rights to it for the life of the project. And so uh, we locked that in at $179,000 for six units. Uh, uh, me and the girls put our sweat and equity. I didn't know what I was doing. I went to Home Depot and bought a one, two, three book. <laughs> and uh, we want to thank, uh, there was a carpet company that gave us uh, remnants of carpet and linoleum. And uh, man, we got in there nailed some stuff together and painted some stuff and made it look like a home. And uh, man, our humble beginnings were so humble. You know, people criticized us for, you know, going over there and trying to redevelop and restore not only the community but women's lives like I got backlash from some of my closest friends uh, but uh, today if you go over and look at it we stand not only do we stand tall as any other house over there but we are a huge impact in the community at large we are the largest female full continuum of care in the state of Tennessee. We'll be right back. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024 and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. <laughs> but it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she 
as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have not only residential treatment, we have a medical detox. Can you think about a 17-time felon hiring a medical doctor? <laughs> I, mean, you think, you, I mean, like, who does that, right? Like, you like, do, my friend. Yes. Uh, so we got nurses, nurse practitioners, RNs, case manager, counselors. Uh, but, but let me say this, more importantly, 35% of my staff is people who have come through my program and are in recovery. Well, let's talk about that. So today, Mending Hearts is a 501c3. Mm-hmm. And you have, I want to get this right, started from that one home that was basically your home yes, that you flipped over <laughs> that treated seven women. Mm-hmm. Yes. The program now has 15 homes. Yes. And has served over 5,400 women coming out of prison to get them all the resources they need, Mm -hmm. the shelter and the love and the concern that you didn't have that first time Yes, that made you go back to your your partner that was on the corner when you get off that bus. Mm -hmm. You interrupted because you've lived that. You saw the the danger in it, and you provided a resource and a home to interrupt that problem. Because what you said is it's not the criminal justice system that got you. It was society when you left it. That's right. And you created a place to transition Mm -hmm. from that criminal justice system back into society. Yes. 15 homes and 54 Hundred women, and in doing it, you're turning uninhabitable dwellings in areas that badly need investment into beacons of hope in hopeless neighborhoods. Yeah, uh, I, I always tell people uh, they're no longer dope houses; they're hope houses. Just took the H out, but put the take the D out, put the H in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know one of the one of the beautiful things about it, you know, when gentrification came, you know, I started the first development over in that community. But there's a place called, um, oh my God, I can't think of it, the Nations, right? Uh, but a medium home over there, a medium home, is five hundred some thousand dollars. And so it's unattainable. Yeah. And so, so, but, but I'm in the nations. Mm. I took the drug invested, cadapidated buildings. And now, you know, we, we, we are forever grateful for our donors and supporters, though. We could not have done it without them. Well, one of the reasons you and I know each other is because of Karen Moore. Oh my gosh. So why don't you tell us about um project redesign? <laughs> Listen. I get emotional about Karen for a lot of reasons. Okay. Uh 
my friend Janet Warfare introduced us. And um, I remember Karen's kids coming over to help at our first project. Help actually do the building? Not only volunteer. Oh, inside. And, yes. And so we, we, we had this house. Before I started knocking down and redevelopment, building new homes over there, well, Karen and them came over, and they seen our raggedy, broke down. I mean, when I say humble beginners, we ain't always look like we have, right? But they met us where we were. Uh, and they made us look and feel like other people do. Because we were taking what you didn't want. <laughs> but Karen was bringing us what we needed, right? She made that place. Not only did they come and bring us the furniture, they set up the furniture, they hung the pictures, they matched the curtains. Listen, they gave us some comforters. I can't even pronounce the name. Devop or something. I don't know. It's, listen, it's out of my league, right? Some kind of foo-foo stuff. Yes. Yeah. But I tell those women You didn't pick it up at Walmart, did you? No, sir. (laughs) And I tell those women, I say, you guys are living better than I do. You don't understand the extent that these women come and pour their heart. And for every house we have over there, it's been, I want to say, 15 years. It's about 13 to 15 years that we've been working with Karen. And I feel like we got blessed uh, through my friend to meet her to come and do that. And so like now, anytime we need furniture or makeover, I just call Karen. For our listeners, Project Redesign basically reuses donated furniture and then they come into places of need like this and they redesign the house so that people can reclaim their life and make a fresh start in a new home. And so what happened is Project Redesign Ended up being the, uh, <laughs> I guess, the interior decorator. They are. For Mending Hearts. They are. And, and once so again, many more. it gives these women a home. Yeah. And, 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 and let me say that it's, Karen M may be getting donated furniture, but it is so nice. No, I get it. You cannot tell it is donated. And I just thank them for, because it's one thing, you could bring a truck over and unload and say, here you go, right? But they're bringing a group of women, sometimes 15 to 20 women over there. Yeah, they're not just dumping stuff off. They're coming in and taking some love in it. And you ought to see how they individualize these women's room. But the beauty of it is, is to see the impact of the woman who gets to receive Project Redesign's benefits. It's a blessing. So 5,400 women serve so far. I think you can serve about 100 to 110 at a time right Mm -hmm. now. At capacity. The number of people who come to you, Mm -hmm. use your resource, Mm -hmm. have this lovely place to stay Mm -hmm. as a transition to life, do you have any inclination of, you know, what your effectiveness is versus status quo? Yeah. So so national average, probably 57, 58%, and we're at a 72% success wow. rate. Yeah. And that's on a six-month average stay. Our women can stay up to two years if need be. And you're, to be clear, you're not, this isn't a handout. It's a hand up. You're trying to get them to transition into a place that they can get a job and their own home. Yes. And you transition them out to make room for the next crop of folks coming in. That's right. And 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 while in my stay, though, they can stay up to two years. Within 90 days, because I, I think one of the issues we face in putting people, releasing people back to society is uh, I've been using for 30 years. And you go put me over in a bed in a classroom for 30 days and you think I'm fixed. So then you want to send me to get a job and I managed to hold a job for a week. But you give me that check and I get the itching. I'm not going to make it back to the halfway house. 
I, I'm probably going to stop by old buddies. Well, your I, own story would tell you two months isn't enough. And without right. support, it's not enough. Yeah. What's your daughter's name? Which one? The Kenesha. one that got in a fight because somebody called you a crackhead. Kanisha. Kanisha? Yes. Kanisha, if you're listening, not bad for a crackhead. <laughs> Not bad for a crackhead. Thank you. <laughs> Trina, you are a phenomenal human being. Thank you. And um, if you're listening to this and you're sitting around thinking, I listen to an army of normal folks a lot, or maybe this is the first one you've listened to, and you think, gosh, I really would like to do something, but, you know, can I? Who am I? How do I? Where am I? Um, 17 felonies, an addiction from somewhere around the age of 18, staring at 30 years in prison, having completed programs and fallen off the wagon again, and still fighting to find a way. You just heard the story of a woman who is changing, who has helped change 5,400 lives and, and can change 110 at a time um, from the hood. Yeah. And if she can do it, mm. anybody can do it. And you are that inspiration. And I am, I just, I, I sit here and listen to your story and, We've already gone long enough. I could talk to you for an hour more about it, but Trina, I I just want to tell you, you're you're really not an army of normal folks because nothing about you is normal. But the truth is, that's what we found out about all our guests is the irony of an army of normal folks. The irony of people you've never heard doing extraordinary things that change lives is once we hear their stories, we find out, you know. It's an army of extraordinary people, and you are one. And I am so blessed that I got to hear your story, and thank you so much for sharing it with us. Oh, thank you, and it's an honor to just to be in your company, man. Um, I was telling Karen, we got to watch the movie tonight, right? And it's like, when I knew I was coming to do a podcast, I didn't know I was going to be with you. <laughs> well, that ain't no big deal. <laughs> Trina, last thing. I'm hoping people heard this and think, you know, I'd like to do that in my community, or I'd like to I'd like to donate to Mending Hearts, furniture, goods, resources, or money. Um, and I'm certain if anybody wants to hear about this and get pointers, mm -hmm. um, how do we get in touch with Trina Frierson? Sure. Uh, go to our website, uh, mendingheartsinc.org. Uh, or you can dial me up or text me up, 615-668-2260. Um, Email? Yes. Trina F. at mendingheartsinc.org. You can also reach us at info at mendingheartsinc.org. That's a website. That's an email. That's a phone number. Somebody wants to reach you, they should yes. be able to reach you. Yes. Last yes. question. How's your relationship with your kids, Trina? God has blessed me in more ways than one. Uh, their friends say, I wish I had a bond with my mom the way you have one with yours. And sometimes I have to tell my kids, uh, listen, y'all got to find some new friends. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I'm your mom. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, mama, what you doing tonight? Come over here with us. I'm like, hey, you want to go to the movies? And so um, we have a bond out of this world. Uh, one of the beauties of it is that I've been able to take uh, my mess and make it a message. And then messaging my kids is uh, sitting around the table at dinner times talking about real tough stuff, uh, the stuff that we don't often talk about, you know, uh, the issues in, in our daily lives that go on that we want to tuck away and lay on the pillow and, you know, toss and turn with at night. I want to bring it back to the kitchen table. And so because of that and therapy, uh, we have a phenomenal bond with all my kids. When you said that, I just wrote it down, and you want to see something really weird? When you take mess and you add age to it, it becomes a message. 
How beautiful is that? <laughs> wow. Trina, thanks for joining me. No, thanks for having me. It's an honor. It's, it's been an honor for me, too. And thank you for joining us this week. If Trina Frierson or another guest has inspired you in general, or better yet, inspired you to take action by donating to Mending Hearts, volunteering with them, by starting something like it in your area or something else entirely, please let me know. I really do want to hear about it. You can write me anytime at bill at normalfolks.us and I will respond. If you enjoyed this episode, guys, please share it with friends and on social. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. Become a premium member at normalfolks.us. All these things that will help us grow an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'll see you next week. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.